Welcome in. I'm the promo guy coming at you from New York City. Today is Thursday, July 27th. You'll be listening to this Friday at the earliest. Welcome to the 14th episode of the Promo Guy podcast brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Mojo, the stock market for sports. I am once again joined by Nick from Blue Duck Media, but I am also lucky enough to be joined by Kenny, uh, K-I-L-K-E-N-N-Y, Kilkenny on Twitter, who is also the proud owner of the Moonshot Discord, which to my knowledge is the first premium Discord that uh, was ever formed in the betting space. Kenny, what's going on? I'm going to skip over Nick for a sec. What's up, man? The, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, happy to finally get uh, be able to hop on here. Obviously, I've been an, been an avid listener and just an overall fan of yours, really, since, since I was lucky enough to meet you in uh, the great city of Philadelphia, what, year and a half ago, I guess it would have been at this point? Might, two years, maybe? Two years. Yeah. Two years. It's been a crazy two years, man, but happy to be here. It's cool. It's cool to, cool to, cool to see your face. I was wondering if we were, we were going to be blessed with, uh, with the, the TPG face uh, ever. And it's just, you're just as handsome as I remember you, my friend. That, that's just for you. But uh, yeah, so for those who don't know or haven't been following, Kenny, very early in the promo guy Twitter account, basically just randomly quote tweeted one of my plays or tweets and said, this guy's awesome. You guys should all follow him. He's my guy. And I, <laughs> frankly, I didn't even know who he was, but he had big following and I got a bunch of followers and I was like, I DM him like, hey, thanks, man. Like, appreciate it. <laughs> we should grab a beer sometime. And we did. And it's been, uh, you know, a great friendship ever since. Uh, I go on his Twitch streams a lot. Uh, he's ha- he's got a great Twitch stream. My last one was me saying that Georgia was going to demolish TCU. And <laughs> I don't remember who said that TCU was going to put up a good fight. It, it, it certainly wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. Some uh, some idiot on that show <laughs> was touting uh, was touting TCU first half. Uh, I can't remember which of the two of us it was, but uh, it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's old news. In, in fairness, I think that I was saying all season with you that they weren't going to make the playoff or that they weren't going to defeat something like that. And, and then they did or got close to it. So I, I think you may have won more battles than I, but I, you know, you're only as good as your last, as your last game, right? Yes, sir. Anyway, uh, Nick, did you, uh, did you do the Boppenheimer thing that, as you promised? I did. I did. I did a 1030 AM Oppenheimer. Also, first of all, what's up, Kenny? Nice to meet you. You, you, Nick, you as well. I just not to cut you off, but I'm you. You let off with Oppenheimer. You started with Oppenheimer, so you would have done the opposite. You think that it was smarter to start the day gentle with Barbie and finish it with uh, <laughs> with Oppenheimer. So I I saw Barbie. I'm gonna I'll let you do your review because I saw Barbie. I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. We just didn't have enough time, and I, I just feel like leaving Barbie. I was I, I I was in the mindset of yeah, I could probably go see another movie. It sounds like Oppenheimer is probably a, a little darker, a little more. Uh, a little more emotionally jarring and it's longer too. So I feel like it would be tougher to walk out of that and then step, step into the dream world of Barbie. Let me give you a little bit more context. I did a 10 30 AM Oppenheimer. So that was a nice cup of coffee in the morning that wakes you up. That was fun. Then had maybe four or five cocktails throughout the day and saw Barbie at 8 PM and that was just like a nice so I, I had a full I went to the beach. I live out in LA. So I had a nice day and then made it to the back to the theaters uh a little bit more uh loose for Barbie. <laughs> so it, it it felt like it was the right thing that Barbie felt more like a dessert end of the day, a little bit more of a party. Yeah, Moppenheimer ended, you immediately you immediately had to leave and go get go get hammered. That's that's how you were feeling. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. 
But yeah, no, Oppenheimer was great. Barbie was good. Uh, I think both were saddled with pretty high expectations, but I think Oppenheimer definitely lived up to them. Um, it, it's it's hard to watch a Christopher Nolan movie and come away disappointed. Yeah. Penny, I'm shocked that you saw Barbie. Uh, I, I would definitely think that it's too woke for you. So, to be honest, man, I uh, I think I think people might be even complaining just like a bit too much. Now, that's not to wow. say like the movie is all that great. I mean, like it was it was just okay. Um, it was enjoyable. Like I'm glad we went. It was probably you know it was funnier than I thought it would be. Maybe a little too long, but all in all, I thought it was okay. And like you know, you you know sort of where I stand on on most things, and I think just people people just complain a lot. Yeah, if you if you really wanted to find something to be pissed off about, you could probably find some stuff in Barbie. But like compared to everything else we see in the performative world of politics and whatnot in every <laughs> aspect of media, I thought Barbie was like, you know, par for the course. So I didn't leave there feeling like I needed like a shower. It was all right. Okay, there you go. I mean, I appreciate you having that take, whether it's you have lower expectations than most or that, you know, you're going to walk into every single event or movie with open eyes and you think hey. that people are reacting that's uh you know i'm proud of you for that take hey, hey man it's I, t- I turned 30 and what can i say i grew up just a little bit yeah just a little bit although i believe you're moving back home now <laughs> so oh, move, moving to the family shore house pg all right i'm not right. moving home i'm moving to the second home but yeah too sorry short. sorry sorry uh anyway uh why don't we get into the state of the stack this will be a quick one just because uh well it's kind of the dead season so twitter account not too much of note. We lost a few FanDuel boosts. We sort of made it back with the MLB parlay, uh, the plus 615 that hit on DraftKings. We hit a few of the golf ones early in the week. Uh, we've lost a few of the 50% parlays sort of more recently. And there was some bigger hit sort of in between. Oh, the, the 100% MLB boost. Caesars, we hit the USA first half paired with, I forget what the other, I don't know, one, the first to 15 minute play. And then we, we with the replacement loss. So it's it's all been a little bit up and down, maybe slightly up and then maybe slightly down. I'm not exactly sure. And then the Discord, I always sort of talk about Dinger Tuesday because it's been such an awesome stretch. And that's the one that, you know, most people are paying attention to and playing. You know, a lot of the other stuff in the Discord may be more targeted or specific, state specific, stuff like that, uh, or book specific. So Dinger Tuesday, we're up $12 for the limited group that marks like the eighth out of the last nine weeks or something we've been up even before the free bets come in but obviously we get the the 50 free bets and then the unlimited was down i think 70 dollars, 60 dollars, something like that uh and then we got 165 dollars in free bets so bit of status quo uh in both of those limited up comfortably over a thousand now the unlimited's up just out of that at 2000 but we've got the 165 dollars free bets to work with and then the rest of the discord you know we hit the 225 percent parlay boost well i guess two out of three because there was a replacement and gm we've hit one of the bets and sort of lost the other but now we've got one coming down the last leg so if we hit that we'll be comfortably up if we don't we'll be we'll be down a bit and kind of similar for the other books uh so you know nothing overly interesting to report uh the one thing that we did do I don't know if this really goes in the state of the stack, but I'm just going to put it here is we created the promo guy podcast, Twitter account, and we did a giveaway. We did two giveaways. The first one, Unger 2001, and it was to name your favorite grinds my gears this year. And honestly, the answers were hilarious. I guess you guys really liked the porno guy clip, which was me complaining that I keep getting tagged in OnlyFans and porn type accounts 
because I think that the promo guy one two three sounds exact looks reads similar to the porno guy one two three. I just can't believe people found your alter ego <laughs> that easily. I actually got a DM this morning, funny enough, from an OnlyFans account uh, asking to promote it. Uh, again, I'm not the porno guy. I am the promo guy. But otherwise, the answer is really funny. Congrats to Unger. And then we did another giveaway. I don't think we've done the winner for that yet. That was the Mojo one to sign up for the waitlist for their DFS product. And honestly, you should just click the link. It takes two seconds and you might win either free Discord month or uh, NFL regular season tickets. So that's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, I think we can go to the gambling landscape update unless Kenny or Nick has anything to add there. Quick, quick little segue here, I guess, uh, somewhat related to the porno guy. Uh, I don't know if I'm just the victim of a, a aggressively targeted marketing campaign or if they just started this marketing campaign. But ever since like literally yesterday morning, I can't I can't, oh, I was going to say Twitter. Now it's X. I can't scroll more than five seconds without getting an ad for Blue Chew. Is anybody else getting just buried in Blue Chew ads on Twitter? Because it's it's all I see. And if, if everyone else is going to say no, that would be concerning to me as to why am I getting hit with the Blue Chew ads? Because it's like, <laughs> it's pretty much like mail order Viagra. Uh, yeah, I think uh, your, your wife put in that setting for you. Oh, man, that's messed up. <laughs> that's cold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Someone's going to be the guy to try it to see if it works. I'll uh, I'll report back on episode. Yeah. Uh, so so basically, know. the Twitter ads are working. <laughs> yeah. Episode fourteen starts with an Oppenheimer review. Episode fifteen with a Bluetooth <laughs> review. We're we're gonna need we're gonna need your check back in. I'll, next time I pop back in, you're like, how'd it go? I'm just gonna have like the biggest smile on my face, and you'll know. <laughs> you'll know. Uh, okay. So. Uh, so now we'll get into the gambling landscape update. I've been meaning to do this basically since the beginning. I mean, it's just a it's a sponsored uh, segment from Mojo. Uh, this is actually why I reached out to them. If you are not necessarily interested in learning about options or in a new product in the gambling, you can fast forward. I will try and do this as succinctly as possible. Uh, so anyway, so Mojo has options for sports betting. And I actually reached out to them to sponsored the podcast originally because I had this idea like five years ago. I even went as far as like trying to patent it, the whole thing. Sports betting wasn't really like legalized like it is now. And honestly, I couldn't patent it. So I was like, you know, what's the point? But I did get decently down the road. I even tried like back, you know, being able to price it and back test and stuff like that. And you know, whatever, I got kind of excited about it for a second. But anyway, I'm happy that Mojo's doing it. So first, I'm going to explain what an option is. Even if you aren't in New Jersey, you can't bet the stuff. I mean, hopefully one day it's it's more widespread, but maybe you're just interested in learning about options. Is there a financial tool, whatever? So, okay, an option is, so there are call options, put options. An option is the right to buy or sell something at the strike. So a call option would be the right to buy, a, let's just say a stock at a given strike price when it comes time for expiration. So if Apple's at 200 right now, and you wanted to buy a one month tenor. So in one month's time is when the option expires, a 250 strike call. So you, you would then have the right in one month to buy Apple stock at 250. If it stayed at 200, your option would expire worthless. If it went up to 500, you would make 500 minus 250. So you'd make 250 and then minus whatever you paid, whatever option premium you paid, which we'll call it 10. So you'd make 240. So if you want to buy a call option, you're likely doing it. I mean, sometimes you do it as an, like an insurance type thing. It's more often used with puts, but it's really just to get cheap 
upside, which I think is kind of fitting having Mr. Moonshot himself uh, on here. So I'm curious to get his take when I'm done with this. Yeah, that sounds that, that that sounds way too confusing. I'm ho- I'm hoping that you have a alternative to that. Something maybe maybe related to sports. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. So then a put option is the right to sell at a strike. So in one month's time, if I bought a 160 strike put, if Apple stays at 200 in one month's time, your option would expire worthless because why would you sell at 160 when the stock is at 200? But if the stock went to 100, of course, you'd want to sell at 160 and you would make that 160 minus 100 minus the option premium, obviously. And when I say you'd make that difference, I'm either talking mark to market because the stock's at 100 and you just sold it at 160, or you could just buy it back at 100. So you can sell at 160, buy at 100, 160 minus 100 equals 60, and then minus the option premium. So a lot of people use this, like I said, you know, maybe you would sell options as sort of a way to collect premium and, and you don't think that things will be very volatile. Uh, maybe you will buy an option similar to why somebody might ladder uh, a play in betting, right? Where you just want that sort of cheap upside. So how does this relate back to sports betting? Uh, the example I would like to use probably, let's say in basketball, you have Damian Lillard, who's over under is call it 30 points. And you want to buy upside in Damian Lillard tonight. You think that he's going to go, you think that he is not necessarily that, oh, you know, he's hit over 30 six out of the last seven times and he's got a good matchup, but more like, I think he might go off tonight. And I don't know that he'll go over, but I know that if he goes over, he might go way over. Similar to, we were talking on the call about this. Uh, I think it was Nick, maybe it was Hank said, he would love to do this with Kadarius Tony, like season long yards. So let's say Kadarius Tony's season long yards are 500. You buy a call option at 700 yards and it's a cheap option. You don't, you don't pay very much. You're not even sure that he's going to have a good year, but you think he has 1,200, 1,300 yard upside and then you could just get you know a, a crazy payout for not spending a lot. So anyway, going back to the Damian Lillard example, if he gets 32 points, so he goes over his over under, but he doesn't actually go past the strike, you would still not want to buy his points at 33 because he only got 32. Uh, but if he gets 71 points, like he, I believe he did at some point this year, then you would get, you know, you'd obviously exercise your call at 33. You'd collect the 71, you'd lose the 33, and then whatever you paid for for that option premium. So you get a huge payout. And that's really where the advantage comes in over laddering something or just taking someone's overs. You get huge upside without having to spend a whole lot. And you don't have sort of this binary thing where it is like, oh, he got 31, so I got paid in full, or he got 30, and so I, you know, he went under and I and I lost my bet. It becomes a lot less 100%. It's just upside in the guy or downside in the guy. If you want to buy a put, you'd have the right to sell. So anyway, that's a, that's kind of a quick preach on, on options. Mojo has this product. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, I like the upside of – we talked about it. You, get, you used the example yesterday in basketball when we were talking Damian Lillard points. And you get paid every time he scores. Let's say his over-under is 30. You buy an option at 32 and a half. And when he has a 45 point game, yeah. you're making, let's say, a dollar a point for each of the points he goes over. That offers a decent amount of upside. I just feel like with someone like Kadarius Tony, with these receivers, if the the option if his over unders at 500 and you t- get a call option at 700, the upside is pretty high. It it doesn't feel 
out of this world. I, let's say, like, I would think of someone like Calvin Ridley. If he's going to have a good season, I could see him having a great season. And this just allows me, instead of just taking his over and hoping he just sneaks over it, to really capitalize on the fact that he's gonna he could potentially blow that number away. So, I, I mean... As a degenerate, it sounds like another way to have fun watching sports. So, uh, yeah, sign me up. Especially if you have someone that's just in a, you know, a, a dream spot, if you will. I and mean, you want to take the Dame example. Let's say just for whatever reason, you think the stars are aligning. Dame hasn't dropped a 60 piece in a while. And it's just it's it's feeling like it could be one of those nights. You know, if you wanted to go the alternative route and, you know, ladder it, if you will, like you're you're essentially capped at what typically 40 on on any given book i mean your upside is essentially capped and it sort of defeats the purpose as to why you like this potentially very high upside play so having the ability to to, to structure it like that i think in the right scenario is is really interesting yeah for me with betting it, i sort of run into this frustration of again like the binary nature of it and even a ladder has a binary nature of it like you said usually aren't able to go too too far past uh, where the players over under is, but also, you know, if you get 39, like you lost on your 40, if you get, end up at 34, you lost on your 35, like stuff like that. Right. So this is sort of a cool way to be invested in every point. And I feel like if I bet on dames over points and you got 71 and all I won was like my minus 110 bet, I would be a little frustrated. Uh, and I think it's best used, like if you're trying to, to find edges in this and you can buy or sell these, and so I'd probably be selling most of these just because especially like in the financial world, those tend to be a little bit more profitable because you're just kind of gaining like a risk premium. But it's really about figuring out how volatile a guy is. So I would say that someone like Kadarius Tony is going to be a lot more volatile, at least like per yard than whatever his equivalent is on like the Jaguars, like their number two or three receiver that's expected a similar amount of yards, but like maybe doesn't have that 1200 yard upside just because there are there's not that kind of there's not that kind of player they're 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 it's this it's just this the steady eddy 50 yards a week reliable you know exactly so yeah so i think that's really where you can find edges is figuring out guys who should be priced at higher volatilities than others and maybe that they are incorrectly priced that way uh and also you know you can use it as sort of like an insurance thing oh i have a ton of exposure like like on my fantasy team, I need a guy to score like three points this week. Taking his under at minus one ten just isn't that juicy or sexy. Like I could just buy a put on his yards or touchdowns tonight. Uh, yards, I guess, would make more sense. I doubt that they do touchdowns. How, how did you? How did you land? How did you land Mojo for the pod? Were you like, hey, you guys stole my really good idea? Will you sponsor my pod as a consolation prize? Yeah, I was like, who better to explain it? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. But anyway, uh, I think we could move past this segment and get to the big thought, which would be plus EV futures that we've all looked at. Well, hopefully plus EV. Debatable. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know if my, my futures are going to be plus EV. You told me to find something I liked and that you would help me make it a plus EV play. So I've got an idea of where I want to go and I'm kind of counting on you to try and find the best way for me to play it. All right, let's do it. Uh, Yeah. You want me to lead off? Go for it. I love betting against the Jets this season. I don't know if it's because I'm from New York and I have so many friends that are Jets fans and I'm just so excited for every step of the way for this to look like what happened with the Broncos and Russell Wilson last year. But I think we have, you have an aging QB coming into a situation 
that doesn't have a great offensive line, that has a lot of young, talented position players that aren't entirely proven. I, I don't believe in Aaron Rodgers. I don't think their defense was as tested as people think it was. They had seven wins last year. Only two of them were against starting quarterbacks. That They beat the Dolphins' third stringer. They beat Jacoby Brissett on the Browns. I'm trying to remember who else. I know Justin Fields was out the game they beat the Bears. It just... This Jets team put up seven wins. Aaron Rodgers, 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers, hasn't thrown for 300 yards in 22 games, and now we're all excited that he's going to give them Super Bowl upside. And I'm just so excited to be on the other side of that. So I think I would get, I would take them to not make the playoffs. I would take their regular season wins under. I think you said you found a, a nice line. Yeah. Yeah, the best line, I, you know, the Jets, I think, as a big market, heavily bet on futures team, maybe have like less discrepancies than you would normally see from teams. But the best line that I found was on Caesars, but Bet365 also have it, which was under nine and a half wins at plus 120. So if you want to fade Jets, I think that that was Nick's favorite way and sort of the way that made, made the most sense um, from getting just a decent line perspective. Uh, Kenny, do you want to do uh, yours now? Or do you, do you have any thoughts on the Jets? Uh, I love the idea of fading the Jets just based on the the sheer amount of hype and excitement around this team. I do think they're going to be pretty damn good. Um, but again, it would be a lot more fun if they stink. So I I think I can I think I can roll with it. But I, I, I don't know, man. I Yeah, I'm kind of with Kenny. I think they're I think they're going to be pretty good. Like the expectations are, are so high, right? And that's a that's a, a bad thing when the expectations are through the roof for a franchise as despicable as the New York Jets, but like if <laughs> right. dude, if Aaron Rodgers is is decent, this offense is going to score a lot of points, and they may have the best defense in football. Um, it's it's scary how good this team could be, but again, uh, heavy wears the crown. A lot of hype coming in, and I think it'll be a whole lot more enjoyable for uh, NFL fans if the Jets came out and laid an egg. Oh, so it's going to be so enjoyable. Yeah, I've been a big Aaron Rodgers fans. <laughs> I've been a big Aaron Rodgers fan for a while. And, you know, the upgrade from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers, if he's focused and, you know, looks at all like he did before last season, I think they could be pretty good. But 10 wins is still a lot when, you know, you have such a tough division, right? So I do think the schedule's tough and that we'll see. But, uh, you know, I'm buying a little bit into the train. I'm surprised you weren't swayed at all by some pretty cool clips uh, that have been going around the internet of Rogers to Wilson. But, but deep, but they also lost my best friend, Braxton Berrios, who was that is very true. The glue of, of that locker room. And I, I don't know. I don't know that he's replaceable. Although Garrett Wilson does look pretty damn good. I, I, I think, I think Berrios could have flourished in this offense with Rogers as well. Kenny, before you make your pick, was that your favorite moonshot of all time? Like what, what's been like your favorite win? Is it Berrios? Was it Duke Johnson? Was it, you know, some of the special teams ones that you did. Well, it's funny you mentioned Barrios and Duke Johnson, given the fact that they cashed in the same game, like 15 minutes apart from each other. So that whole day was just, was pretty absurd. Um, I think it's, I think it's gotta be the Barrios one for a couple of reasons. Number one, I was fortunate enough to have hit something, you know, just as crazy the week prior on the Jakeem, the Jakeem Grant punt return. Uh, so the, the parlay was Jakeem Grant to score a touchdown and Bears defense special teams to score a touchdown. The idea is if Jakeem Grant houses a punt or a kickoff, it'll knock out both. 
And then the funny thing was, I think on their opening drive, he caught like a two yard screen pass and then just housed it for 90 yards. So you're like, all right, it's not really how we drew it up, but right. all right. And and then right before halftime, he he took the punt back 96 yards for a touchdown. So he scored twice, bet cash. I think I hit it for like 50 grand. Um, and obviously it was it was great marketing for Moonshot. So we got a pretty heavy wave of subs going into the next weekend. And that next weekend was the Duke Johnson weekend and the Braxton Berrios weekend. And I know that like everybody tailed the Berrios play. So um, obviously it has a special place in my heart. Like I hit it for a hundred grand, but I think it was it, w- it was cool to be able to to do it right after an already big weekend. I just think, you know, so often in our space, and certainly I, I've been guilty of this, you go on a hot streak, yeah, yeah, you, you pump your chest on Twitter, people want to sign up and join your Discord, and then you immediately go cold, and it's like, yeah, you already ran out of all the good hits. The fact that I was able to, you know, have probably, at, at that point in my career, it was probably the single best weekend of my entire life. Um, to have that at sort of like, you know, my peak membership at that time, I, it was just, it was it was really fulfilling, and I was happy to, to win a lot of people some money. What, what was your... So- what was what were the odds on the Grant one? Do you remember? And then what was the Barrios play? The the, the Grant one uh, were were way higher because for whatever reason his anytime touchdown by itself was, I I, I want to say it was like plus sixteen hundred. Um, now for just your run of the mill special teams guy that would be more than fair. But then the, in the weeks leading up to this game, I think the last two weeks they were playing him as like the number three receiver. I mean he was the fastest guy on the team, was really flashing the athleticism. So they were trying to just get him the ball more. So to start his individual odds were just broken. So parlayed with the the Bears defense special teams, that bet, I think it, it was 200 bucks to win 50 grand. So I, you know, it was like a little over 200 to one. Yeah, that's see, th- this is where this is where like, I, I feel like the EV community misunderstands you where Jakeem Grant's odds to get a touchdown were 16 to one, right? And what percentage of that time would you expect that to have come from a special teams touchdown. Not to even mention the fact that it could come from receiving and that the the Bears could score a defensive or special team touchdown without him. But it's a decent amount of the time, right? So for you to get what would you say it was two fifty to one or something? Yeah, something like that. On that play, when the I mean, it's clearly just a genius broken correlation thing, and you you know obviously it's still likely to lose, and I think that's where a lot of the negativity comes from of like. Oh, believe me, that there were a lot of misses before that 251. It's like, I don't know, I'm in there. Like, yeah, absolutely. Do you lose a lot of plays? You do. But did you lose 250? Did you lose 250 before hitting that one? No. No, I don't think so. And then not to mention, <laughs> you then you then do basically the same thing the next week. And again, that's not we're talking about your best hits ever. It's not like you're you're doing that every weekend, but it's still like these are really smart plays. These are like that's a a brilliant correlation thing that obviously doesn't even exist anymore but like when you have a smart person who knows the sport that is like digging into finding advantages that is what plus ev bet i mean that's not how i define plus ev betting i define it as you know plus expected value versus where the books odds are but you are trying to find edges you are and that is sometimes can create like a beautiful thing like the jakeem grant play like i remember when i saw that i I don't remember the duke and barrios one i mean i was happy for you that you hit him but I was like, oh my God, look at those odds. Like, what a find. And dude, and a, t- and a tip of the cap, right? Because I, I got I got DM'd from a member of my Discord like that day. Hey, check out like the check out Jakeem Grant. Like in Discord, we had discussed the strat. We had discussed the strategy. We hadn't hit one yet, but we realized, I think maybe the week leading up to this, 
hey, you can you can parlay these together. Like I think I saw a ticket of somebody hitting like a Cordell Cordero Patterson play like that, where I think he housed the punt and it knocked out both. I know that years and years ago on FanDuel, this used to not work. Like if if Cordero Patterson returned a punt for a touchdown, if you had a Patterson anytime TD, like it wouldn't it wouldn't hit. That would only hit for the special teams touchdown. That's kind of how they defined it years ago. And at some point, that changed. And I don't I don't know when it happened. I don't know if they they meant to do it, but at some point that changed, and there was a brief period of time where you were able to, you were able to, to put these together. Now, for context, I think it's important to to mention that you know. In a, in a given NFL season, there's maybe seven or eight total punt plus kick returns throughout the entire year, right? So, I mean, they're already, it's a pretty rare thing to happen, but it, it's just the fact that it gives you like another option. Because I think the, Ber- the, the Berrios example, it, it, you know, proves this point entirely. You know, it's Berrios to score a touchdown. And- the Berrios was the same same thing, right? It was the... Same, it was the same thing yeah, yeah. where, you know, you, you draw it up because he's the kick returner and he's the punt returner. So if he houses one, it knocks out both. But he's also like their slot receiver and he's just active on offense. So you put them together on the opening drive. I remember the Jets ran like the Philly special and then Berrios just tucked it and ran it in. So it's like, all right. Yeah, I remember that. All right. Now we need a Jets defense or special teams touchdown. Like it's not how we drew it up, but like it just it, 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 it gave you some more options. So I, I think that. You know, not the. So, did he end up housing a punt return, or did they just score an action? No, in the fourth quarter, Tua threw a pick six. Right. So that that is the funny thing. That is what Fanduel intended you to play, right? For those two things to happen. For those two happen. things to happen, right? Now, you know what the, the the most messed up part of this though? Ready? So I hit I hit this for a hundred grand. I'm like over the moon. It was like the like two days before Christmas, so vibes couldn't have been higher. Yeah, pun pun intended. The following week, following weekend, I didn't run it back. How do you not, right? How do you how do you hit a hundred grand on a combination that like and he housed one? He housed the he housed the opening kickoff the following week. Yeah. And I wow. of course like oh. I was at why didn't you run it back? Because I'm stupid, dude. I, I don't know. I Oh right. I, I forgot. Because I'm, I'm just dumb. But yeah, <laughs> man, I look I, I think that I, I understand the uh the EV community's sort of you know view of me and sort of my style of betting. And I, I think at times, like they're they're not wrong, but I think especially within the NFL, I think over the last couple of years, I've done a really good job of finding situations like this that I think, for better or worse, are a little exploitable. I mean, I think w- one other example uh, I'll throw out here, and you know, I even made this note. I was hesitant to talk about it on the show because I don't want this to get killed prior to the NFL season. But like, like another angle that I'm excited to, to tap into this year is last touchdown score. Now everyone's obsessed with first touchdown score, and look, they're they're fun bets if you have a promo that sort of incentivizes you to want to mess with them, like by all means, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. I just don't think there's any edge or narrative in a way that you could attack a first touchdown score. Like it's it just, I think it's literally just luck. Like the the best player probably is going to score the first touchdown. Maybe somebody else does it, but there's nothing you can do research that says this guy is going to, is more yeah. likely to score first because whatever, it's just random. Yeah, because there's no game script for it, right? It's going to be zero zero or three something. Exactly, unless like you know your buddy is the def- is the offensive coordinator, and you know that they're drawing up. A, you know, last touchdown, you could you could sort of start to work out a game script that would make sense, right? If you're the you know the the third string rookie running back on a on a team that you think should blow the other team out, and the first example we you know, we hit this last year. I think it was week I remember week one, four yeah. or five. The the Bills were at home against the Steelers, and I think it was Kenny Pickett's first game. The Steelers the the Bills were favored by like seventeen and a half. Everyone knew they were going to absolutely obliterate the Steelers. James Cook hadn't really gotten 
you know, any action in the Bills backfield yet. It was mostly Singletary and Zach Moss. They were coming off of, I think it was back-to-back games with like the Dolphins and somebody else, like crazy physical games. Singletary took a lot of hits, a lot of snaps. So the idea was, look, if they absolutely blow the doors off Pittsburgh, I think it's going to be the the James Cook show in the second half. They're finally going to let the kid stretch his legs a little bit, give Singletary a breather. And James Cook, anytime TD was, I want to say like plus 600, but James Cook last TD was, you know, pregame was 50 to one. I just think that's like, that's a no brand. Oh. That, that's a no brand. Yeah. And you're basically saying if he's going to score a touchdown, it's going to, it's probably not coming in the first half. It's not coming in the first, it's not coming in the first half. Right. So that's one. It's like, right. don't just bet last touchdown. Cause if he ends up getting one and then it's not the last one, you're going to feel pretty sick. But like, you know, I think that's a situation that is not going to really present itself every single week. There's maybe a, a few throughout the year that you that are going to maybe send the alarm bells off. But I think if you if you can continue to just try to find narratives like that to, to attack here, um, I just think that I get excited about the NFL because I think it's it's the sport that I think it allows you to, you know, creatively gamble the most. I think there's a lot of different ways to to, to look at the board. NFL's the best, man. A lot, lot of fun stuff to bet on, and uh, I'm jacked up for another season. Yeah, well, I appreciate you sharing those with us, and that's sort of where... Because I do think a lot of the Christian, not necessarily view, although sometimes you can be brutally honest, uh, are fair. But like, there are a lot of people who are just, oh, I got a feeling about James Cook today. Oh, I got a feeling about this and that. And like, when I listen to you talk, and you know, we've spoken many times about your plays, and I'm in your Discord, whatever, and we collabed a bit of mine, where you're like, this, you know, it's it's always well reasoned and thought out. Um, and I think that that's where there's difference between really good cappers who just like to bet whether your niche is long shots or parlays, like just because it's like you said with James Cook, you know, it's just sort of like this outsized opportunity. It's why I do think you'd like the option stuff, this outsized opportunity. You're like, I don't know if he's going to score, but you know, it, it would make a lot of sense that if he did score, it would come last. And, and obviously the Jakeem Grant stuff and all that. So I wanted to get one last thing before you before you mention your play, which we've which we've been putting off is you play boosts, you play promos. Like what are, what is your overall thought on EV betting, and how does that sort of mesh with? I like to ask cappers this, where it's it, it almost feels like it's conflicting that that you could believe that you're finding an edge over books, and at the same time, it doesn't matter what the individual thinks. It's just about finding a good line versus books, right? Like how do those things co- coexist and how do you think about boosts and promos and like which ones to play and stuff like that? Well, look, I, I take advantage of them as much as I can. Um, my starting point is simply to see what you're doing and then go from there. Uh, Cause I, I just, I, I, I trust you more than it, more than anybody else when it comes to this sort of stuff. But, you know, for me, I like to, I think the, depending on what boosts and promos are offered across different books, like it, it, it just, it, it allows me to sort of price shop a little differently too. Like the way that I give out my, the way that I place my own plays and then the way that I sort of, you know, give out my plays and my discord to my members. Like one, I want to give guys the best number, you know, for NFL, I'm most 99% of my bets are touchdown props or two touchdown props. Right. So I'm doing a lot right. of price shopping across, across, you know, as, as many books as I can. 
And at the same time, like I'm trying to give my community as, you know, as many quote unquote, like at bats, as many chances as possible for as, right. you know, as, as cheaply as possible. So the simplest way to do that is to take advantage of these boosts and promos when you can. So if, you know, if there's a particular touchdown prop or touchdown boost, if you will, on, on DraftKings, I'm going to have my list of touchdown props that I'm going to want to throw out there. And then I'll make sure I use this on a guy that has a better price on DraftKings than on FanDuel. So it's, I kind of just weave it into my line shopping. Right. And and just encourage my guys no, to great. use it as much as possible. That is great. I, I did see that for Dinger Tuesday, you were on Stone Garrett. Was that someone that you were like, I'm taking him at any price? or Because I, I was on him as well. Uh, or was that someone that you noticed had a very good price versus other books? Uh, I think he was a, the, about the same price on on FanDuel. Um, like Dinger Tuesday is a good example. No, he was, he was plus 450 and everywhere else it was like, 330 minus 600 like it was kind of the two-way ah, so then the fact because you, you took you took it like 10 minutes after i ah. did so I, I i saw the notification i was just like i was like oh there you go and then obviously it happened to ah, the one that I, hit. I, don't you, I love to see that i, I don't know if i had hit it i don't know if i had hit any i don't know if you hit any other that that was my one limited play that hit um but you know that shows me like when i whenever i see a capper take a player that is clearly factoring in line shopping or are you know the best plus cb play in my opinion that was like my first play that i put, like, thought that was a good one uh it tells me that they're line shopping and paying attention to ev betting even though it goes against the name moonshot right <laughs> like i wouldn't have bet it if it wasn't for dinger tuesday like i i'm not someone that bets a lot of home run props to begin with i'm not like the biggest uh mm-hmm. baseball capper but even if i was like i just like the math on home run props i feel like more often than not is just it has to be terrible. Like hitting home runs is hard. And if you're getting like 250 on Shohei to hit a home run, it's just, there's just, there's no, there's no way. So I don't really make a habit of betting on home runs to begin with. I just think the, the Dinger Tuesday promo is just so good. Uh, it, it's, it's, right. it's hard. It's so good. It's, it's so good. It's, it makes it almost impossible to stay away. And then when you get the dream scenario of like, look, it's a great promo and Stone Garrett has a perfect matchup against a guy that he's killed before. And and his best price across the board is on Fandle. Like that's just the dream scenario and like the perfect yeah. way to leverage a promo like that. Well, well, luckily that one worked out, but uh, beautifully said. Okay, Kenny, what is your NFL future that you like the most? All right, so this is, I'm curious to see the uh, the reaction I get here. And I mean, no disrespect here, but uh, I think uh, the most positive EV strategy for NFL futures is uh, fade DeMar Hamlin. Uh, DeMar Hamlin is minus 330-ish to win comeback player of the year on, on just about every book here. And look, I understand why it's tremendous to see him back on the field. I'm curious to see how much playing he actually does. And I just, I, I leave you with this, like what's the minimum requirement in terms of his output this year for him to lock up this award. Now, some people might say it's already over. I'm I come from the camp of like, look, they awarded this thing in seven months. Seven months from now, are they still going to be beating this into the ground? I'm not. I'm not so sure. Now, if there is a an absence of a next a nest nest a next best option, maybe. But I think there's a lot of other potential suitors for comeback player of the year this year. Like if this happened two years ago, and then the De- Demar Hamlin came back last year, I think he probably wins comeback player of the year over Geno Smith. It was like a kind of a weak field last year. It was either Geno right. or Saquon. Like what was the narrative Gina Smith used to suck and now he doesn't like all right it was cool that he won the award but it was just it was a weak year this year there were (laughs) a lot of studs that got hurt last year and on top of that there's I think just there's more potential storylines that I think could outshine Hamlin if Hamlin ends up playing like 
you know, five games this year. I just don't think we don't know how much he's going to play as respectfully as he can. Even when he did play, like it's not like he's a stud player. Like he's like he's he's not going to be really making game changing plays. It's just it's it's encouraging and it's an amazing to see him out there. I'm glad that he's healthy. I just don't know that he should be minus. 330. It just implies it's already over and he's running away with this thing. And I just don't know in seven months if the NFL is still going to be heavily leaning into this, especially if one of these two guys pop off this year. John Mechie uh, missed his entire rookie year because of uh, because yeah. of leukemia last year. Uh, last NFL player that I know that beat cancer and came back was Eric Berry, who won comeback player of the year in 2015. So I, I like I think John Mechie just from the pure potential narrative point of view i think at you can get him at 30 to 1 maybe even higher if you shop it around there if the texans aren't completely embarrassing if stroud has an okay rookie year and if mechie comes in and catches six touchdown passes which i know you're you're asking a you know a, a rookie on a, a team that could be awful i think if mechie has a half decent year he's going to be in line for this one other guy that i think even further down the board what, what, are, the, what are the odds on him plus three thousand plus three thousand okay 30 to 1 cool continue one more guy, if you again, if you think it's already over because Hamlin already won, I'm I'm not here to argue with you. Then you just fade this. I think it could be. I think this is winnable. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is reportedly healthy and back in the great city of New Orleans. And I think people just forget because of how long it's been the sheer dominant numbers that he put up in his last two fully healthy years. In 2018 and the 2019 seasons, he averaged 137 receptions, 1,600 yards, and nine touchdowns. In 2019 alone, he had 149 receptions, 1,725 yards, nine touchdowns. Just for reference, like Justin Jefferson was far and away the best receiver in the NFL last year and, I mean, was just an absolute showstopper. He had 128 catches, 1,800 yards, and eight touchdowns. So, like, Michael Thomas in 2019 was like slightly better than Justin Jefferson was last year. I mean, that's what this wow. guy's yeah. that's what this guy's upside is like. I think the Saints offense with one less game, right? Uh, and with and with one less game, you're absolutely right. So I think look, the Saints offense is going to be solid. I like the, the the acquisition of Derek Carr, and if Michael Thomas comes out, the Saints make the playoffs, and he's a big part of this offense. Uh, Seventy five to one for Michael Thomas. Whew. I'm sold. I'm absolutely sold. Nick, what do you think? I, I like it. I mean, I'm just tempted. I'm looking up all these odds now. I'm tempted to go with any of the top three QBs at the top of this list. It just feels like they're priced pretty crazily to get 20 to 1 on Tua, Russell Wilson, and 25 to 1 on Lamar Jackson. I think if any of them, I mean, there's a chance Lamar's back in MVP conversation. If any of these guys put up ridiculous numbers, and I feel confident saying at least one of the three of them would. I, I think that that's typically a QB award. I think, like, didn't Joe Burrow win it when he came off of his injury rookie season? He did. Um, I feel like Dak may have gotten one after his injury. Al- Alex Smith. Alex Smith won it off, uh, off the broken leg. It's it, it has been, in recent years, it's been a QB-heavy award. The only thing that I would say, I agree with you on, on Lamar Jackson. I think there's, there's a path to Lamar Jackson here. My question would be, for Tua and Russell Wilson, right? Like if Tua comes out and has an unbelievable year, is the NFL gonna reward him with the comeback player of the year award for like coming back from two publicly awful concussions? Like the only thing the NFL wants to talk about less than anything is is concussions. And I think what if Tua comes and wins comeback player of the year, they're essentially rewarding the guy for you know risking his brain and risking CTE, getting concussed and then coming back, and they're gonna reward that behavior. I just think they like I think that's a 
a potential narrative that they want to stray away from. Russell Wilson, like, I think it would be the guy's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he was objectively terrible last year. The Broncos were terrible last year, but like, he retires tomorrow. He's going. He's probably going to the Hall of Fame. Same page. Are they gonna are they gonna embarrass a Hall of Famer with a comeback Player of the Year award just because he was bad the the year prior? I mean, if you know if he got hurt and came back and did it, maybe if you know if Russell Wilson had the run he had with Seattle, got hurt, had a couple of bad years, and then turned it around, you know, like you know in a a twisted way of Geno Smith, like maybe I think one bad year and followed by one good year from a hall of fame quarterback. I just don't think they're, I think it would be insulting for them to give him the award. Hey man, you sucked last year. Welcome back. Lamar Jackson. I think there's certainly, there's certainly a path for Yeah. Some of these options are awful. I'm looking at FanDuel's odds. Like <laughs> what, is, what is Calvin Ridley coming back from? You know, at, he's got like top 10 odds or something. Like what's he coming back from? Like gambling <laughs> suspension. Uh, he was good before, and he'll be I good agree. now. That, that's well, they suspended him. How how is it a comeback? I, I agree. I, I, I he, <laughs> he, he he could have twenty five touchdowns this year. It would stun me if they gave this award to Calvin Ridley. It, it, I think that's impossible. Right. That that that's what I'm getting yeah. at. He might be he might be other things, but I don't know what he's he's coming back from other than an NFL. It's like giving it to like, I mean, I don't want to compare gambling to what Ray Rice did, but like if Ray Rice like came back from suspension and was awesome. Like, is he getting an award? <laughs> and again, <laughs> not comparing what he not. did in any, in any stretch. No, of all course not. Really. Of course not. I just mean that the NFL, well, I mean, by the way, the NFL compared it with a two game suspension to a full season, but that's a separate issue. It's just, you're coming back from doing something wrong that the NFL suspended you for. You're not coming back from in DeMar Hamlin's case, like dying or in, you know, Mechie's case, like cancer. Yeah. You came back. I mean, even Geno Smith had like six years of complete irrelevance after like three years of being truly awful to being like actually, wasn't he a pro bowler? So at least he came back from, if you're going to have a performance type comeback, at least it was somewhat special. I I mean, I just, whatever. Some of these options are pretty funny and and not great, but uh, I do like some of the ones that, that you threw out because... You know, there's there's a real story to it at kind of crazy odds. I mean, I think the Mechie one's actually really compelling at 30 to 1 because if Hamlin, forget about like intentionally doesn't play. What if he just, I, I mean, I hope this doesn't happen. What if he just gets hurt or something like that? And then, and Mechie has, like you said, six touchdowns. So I don't think it's crazy. He was really good in college. I don't know. He came back from leukemia. That's that's a pretty compelling. I, I just feel like, look, like the, like the Hamlin thing, it happened on the biggest stage, like humanly possible. And no, I mean, he should be the favorite, obviously. And it, but it's just like, like, I know he, he he hasn't won this award, but it's like he's been I know he hasn't won comeback player of the year, but I feel like he has been getting showered in sort of like comeback awards relentlessly for the last eight months. He's on every, you know, he's on every show. You know, you know, he won, you know, you know, he won an SB. He did this like it's just like the guy has gotten rightfully so as much shine as humanly possible. And now it's just, you know, week one starts and it's a new season. I'm saying it, you know, what happened to him should be forgotten. I just think people have short-term memory. We've already gotten as much DeMar Hamlin, I think, as we could possibly get. And, and you think he should be the favorite, obviously, because literally he just probably needs to play six, 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 16 games and, 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 you know, contribute basically as he was before. And, like, he'll probably win without yeah. – like, it's not like Tua, who's got the next highest odds – 
who, like you said, came back from concussions and played most of the season, like was very good last year. If he plays a full 17 games and is a stud, let's say he plays at the same level he was maybe pre like the first concussion or, or you know, whatever point you want to put to that was like the highs of Tua, maybe after he threw a touchdown against San Fran, like the first drive of the game, uh, whatever peak you want to put on Tua, if he does that and plays 16 games and DeMar Hamlin plays a full season and is like a regular contributor, like Hamlin's going to win. Right, Tua's top, top, top argument doesn't come close to Hamlin just doing like status quo. I, I think one thing that could uh, could be compelling here, because I, I, Fanduel, I know would never offer cash out offers for these. If let's say you know week one, Michael Thomas catches three touchdowns and his odds plummet, I don't think there's going to be any cash out opportunity. If there are books that have cash out opportunities, I would maybe try to target a couple of these guys because think of it like this, like this will be the lowest odds Hamlin will ever be, like unless by some miracle. He has like a pick six or something like that early in the season, which right. would, you know, which would slam the door on this and then it's over. Otherwise, he was go he's just gonna sit here and hope that nobody else makes a case. Whereas if week one, if Mechi scores a touchdown in week one, he would he probably becomes plus five hundred, right? And Hamlin dips to one ninety. Like I, I think if you're the, the Demar Hamlin prop here, I think yo, know, if you think he's locked this up then wait, wait till like week three, see if somebody else comes out a little hot and you, you can get Hamlin close to even money. And then you can use that as like a hedge on some of these other guys here. But I just think that, yeah, like everyone else on the board has way better opportunities for their odds to massively decrease by just performing. Like, it's not like Hamlin can have a game that's going to, it's going to lock it up again, unless he has a pick six or some kind of crazy game. It's hard to do as a defender. Whereas there's plenty more opportunities for a Michael Thomas, a John Mechie or a Lamar Jackson to, pad the stat sheet early in the season and then get the conversation started about this particular award. Well, so it's funny because I actually, I agree. Like I actually really like the, especially the matchy pick, but I think that Michael Thomas 7251 is interesting, but I disagree with your take that all these guys on the board and the top, let's say 15 odds have like a path. Like I, I don't think it's like, okay, so let's say Jonathan Taylor, who's 50 to one, he's got top, whatever looks like 12 odds. Uh, 10 odds like Matthew Stafford like I don't know Sam Darnold like a lot of these guys like I, I don't think that there's really anything that they can do you know Matthew Stafford had what a bad year missed half the year but he's, he won the Super Bowl the year before that like what what could he possibly do to ever beat Tamar Hamlin no, almost no matter what nothing. Hamlin does nothing absolutely nothing as long as Hamlin does like the absolute bare minimum he is the default but a guy coming back from leukemia and going out and like having a great season that that could compete with the bare minimum. You know, Michael Thomas would kind of have to go the Geno Smith route of like, he's been irrelevant for a bunch of years and he has this amazing comeback. Like, what could Kyler Murray has basically the same odds? Like what could Kyler Murray do? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. There's nothing he could do to possibly beat Tamar Hamlin in my eyes. But yeah, I just think you know, maybe, the reason, maybe, the reason you're getting great odds on the rest of the board is just because of, how heavily favored Hamlin currently is. It just is blo sure. bloating the rest of the market. And I think just the, the summary here is I understand him being the favorite. I just think this is way too heavy of a line for Hamlin, which is then giving value to a couple other spots on the board. And I just think the guys that we're targeting here, like their odds are only going to get better, in my opinion. Nice. I like it. All right. Okay. So now I'll go with mine. Hopefully the odds are still up uh, by the time you listen to this. But it is on Caesars, Texas A&M under four and a half conference wins at minus 125. So why do I like this play? First, 
Texas A&M last year background, they were terrible. They have relatively high expectations really each year because they've recruited very well. And you might be surprised to hear me go against the team that's recruited very well. Cause oftentimes when I've talked to Kenny and, and talked with whoever discord, blah, 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 I do talk about recruiting rankings as a plus, but that's more to talk about a team's upside, like how, how high can you reach? And Texas A&M does have the potential to reach high. Bobby Trino, the new offensive coordinator, works out. Jimbo actually lets him run with things, and they take all this talent, and they fulfill their potential. Okay, great. That's obviously always possible. But they won two games in the conference last year. They play, again, a tough schedule. So they have to go 5-3 and three for us to lose. And, you know, this is priced again, minus 125. So close to 50-50, 56%. They play out of, in the conference – Auburn, Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU. <laughs> so to only lose three of those games would mean, let's say they lose two or three of their, uh, I'll say their three toughest, where they'll be clear underdogs, Bama at Tennessee at LSU. Let's say they manage to go one and two. That means you can only lose one more game out of Auburn. That's a tough game. Arkansas neutral site. That's a tough game. And they lost most of these last year. South Carolina, that's a tough game. They finished the year really strong last year. Adel Miss, they'll probably be underdogs. Uh, I mean, we'll see. But that's a tough game. Mississippi State, even at home, is a really tough game. You know, they bring back uh, a ton of seniors and, and a lot of their team, and they'll be very good. And they were really good last year. And they and I overall am kind of not sold on Texas I'm not sure that Bobby Chino is actually going to get the reins to the offense. And I think that, yes, recruiting well means that you can do very well. But we've also seen from Texas A&M themselves. We've seen from Florida State. We've seen from Miami. We've seen from Tennessee. We've seen from Texas. So on and so forth. A lot of teams consistently recruit well. And that doesn't mean that they are – I mean, for them to hit five conference wins, they'll have to be a top 15 team in the country, like for sure. I think that this is another year for Texas A&M, uh, like the teams I just mentioned who have, yes, they've had, they've all had some pretty good years in the last 15 years, but they've also had mostly stinkers. And I think that this looks a lot more like the stinker than from just like a math EV perspective on it. So that's sort of the, the football take of it from a math EV perspective. Their over under is about eight on DraftKings over eight is plus a hundred under eight is minus 120. So they're out of conference games as much as I'm down on Texas A&M. They play New Mexico, Louisiana Monroe, Abilene Christian. So that's three wins. We can we agree that that's three home wins? Same page for sure. And then at then at Miami, they're six and a half point favorites. So their expected wins should be around I don't know three point six for for their out of conference games. So. If you're putting like uh, that, that under eight is favored, then if if they get five conference wins, that means you're putting them at over eight and a half favored over. So to me, to, to expect five or to go, if you want to do four and a half plus 3.6, you're looking at over eight as kind of clearly favored uh, as opposed to it being, you know, plus money to go over. So, and then plus, I mean, over eight and a half, like the alt line, I think is like plus 150, plus 160, something like that. So I think that this should be 
kind of heavily tilted under. I would take this to like minus 140, minus 150 easily. I know that DraftKings has a much lower price for it, so they kind of agree with me. But I, I just think that it it's just wrong given that they're they're overall over under. And if you want to fade Texas AM, which I do, and that's like they can make the playoffs. This is like one where I would just say like their their baseline, I don't think is eight and a half wins. I think it's you know, six and a half, seven and a half. And the under four and a half is clearly conference wins, it's clearly the best way to take it. Uh, Nick, uh, Ken, do you guys have any thoughts? I don't, I don't know how closely you guys follow college football, but I don't follow college football that closely. But I'll tell you, I already just wrote this bet in my group in my betting group chat, and I'm excited. <laughs> I feel like you and I have enough bets where we all season long we'll be going against each other. I think this will be a fun one that we're finally on the same page for. So I'm I'm pretty sold. There you go, giddy up, uh, Kenny. Any thoughts before we move on to the next uh, segment? You sold me again. I'm not the biggest, uh, at least right now. I'm not as dialed into college football as I'm as I'm planning on getting, especially not uh, in you know in the, the, the with the teams down south. But you certainly sold me on uh, the A and M pick here. Uh, okay, uh, so we are going to head into break, and when we get back, we are going to do grinds my gears. Okay, I've got a new promo code for Mojo, the stock market for sports. The code is TPG Match. So TPG M A T C H. Gets you a 20% deposit match up to $200. Uh, I highly recommend doing this and playing their Sunday Slams promotion, which is only available in New Jersey and has been incredibly profitable for people tailing ROI guy in the Discord. So again, TPG match, 20% deposit match up to $200. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Draft a fantasy team against your friends for tonight's or tomorrow's games to win cash prizes. Or try out their Pick'em game where you can predict player stat projections for a chance to win big. Underdog's slick mobile app is easy to use and it's even easier to just start playing. Go to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store. Sign up with the promo code PGP, the Promo Guy Podcast, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code PGP. Okay, welcome back in. Uh, we are doing everybody's favorite segment, Grinds My Gears. Normally, I am the one who is ticked off and needs to uh, vent something off my chest. But this week, Kenny and Nick are going to run with it. So, Nick, what grinds your gears this week? You know what really grinds my gears? What grinds my gears is that we're about an hour into this show, and this is the first we've talked about aliens. The fact that this is not... not what everybody is talking about on every show, not just across news. This should be every sports show. The fact that there are aliens on Earth is absolutely insane, if that's true. So I'm not sure if my grind, my gears, is more that the government is potentially aware of the fact that there are aliens on Earth and is not sharing that, or that this could, the conspiracy here might not be that aliens exist, this could be the government just trying to get everybody a little bit riled up to increase spending for military to get like it just 
it, it sucks that we live in a world where everything seems to be such fake news that I don't even know if I'm supposed to get excited about the fact that we have aliens in our possession or if this is the government trying to get everyone into a bit of hysteria so that we can start spending more on military. I'm with you halfway, ready? I think there's I think there's a, you know, a, a conspiracy angle to this. And I, I like where your head went. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to argue against it because I think that's that's certainly it's. It's certainly an idea that it is just a mechanism to get the people fired up to go, you know, spend more money on, you know, guided rockets or whatever. Yeah. Or because my initial thought is this, right? I'm same boat as you. Like I just there's so much, you know, misinformation out there that my, my brain immediately thinks, okay, well, they didn't discover these aliens, you know, hypothetical aliens yesterday. Like this is information that they've had for a while, if it's true. So then why? yesterday like why now are they telling us that oh we have we have data on these underwater aircrafts or underwater not aircrafts like underwater submersibles that are going 3500 miles per hour uh we've collected bodies we've collected real alien bodies and that is like bombshell type stuff and i just think okay so what's going on that they need a they need to distract the masses from on this particular day because they can choose to release this at like at any point so i agree with you like it should be more talked about they should just cancel sports center and just run alien chatter for the next 48 hours until we learn everything but my my skeptical brain first went okay so what's why the agenda? specifically today? Why, why today what's the what what's the agenda here yeah yeah no it, it it's interesting and it's interesting that they have them in labs running tests because then my next question, this isn't my skeptical brain. I think this is probably more my like curious brain is like, we've eaten every other species we've come across. Did, have they, t- what if aliens taste amazing? Like, uh, have they, have they, uh, have they done any tests what? and see if the, this is, <laughs> you, you don't think that at all? We've eaten every other life form we've ever come across. No. At what point are they like, hey, let, who in the lab is like, yo, you you try it. Tell me what it tastes like. Dude, if someone hands me an alien taco lathered in like some sort of chipotle sauce, it's going in my mouth. I'm just <laughs> saying it's not the craziest <laughs> idea. It's just so weird that your brain went there. But yeah, I guess. Um, I, I hope not. But I think more importantly, Kenny, you said that they have under, that we think that the aliens have underwater which you call them submersibles, that go 3,500 miles an hour? 3,500 miles an hour. Oh, because oh, I thought there was a chance that this alien stuff was like not E.T., how we imagined it type thing, but they've actually like built... It's just like, like their, tasty little chicken nuggets. Right no, <laughs> the tastiness. <laughs> but they're actually like, are we worried that they're just going to obliterate us? I mean, we don't... I assume we don't have submersibles that go 3,500 miles an hour underwater. And where are they underwater? Are they like deep down where we haven't been yet? Yeah, yeah, they're they're all harboring uh, in the Titanic. I don't know if you're joking or not. That's how ridiculous this whole thing is. Do we think it was an alien that left the cocaine in the White House? Okay, anyway. (laughs) I, I honestly... As crazy as you both sound, especially you, Nick, with eating them, because uh, I think that they might be eating us before we eat them. I uh, I think we should call it a show for the day. I think Hank's going to have enough uh, of a hard time editing all, all this. 
so anyway, thank you to our sponsors, Underdog Fantasy and Mojo. Thank you, Kenny, very much for coming. And as always, stay tuned to uh, the promo guy on all platforms, Twitter, the podcast now, so the second Twitter, X, whatever, Discord, all that stuff. Rate, review, subscribe, and we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining, Kenny. Anytime, brother.